0: Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans, welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey catch-out podcast every friday from august the 28th however you get your podcasts and on the euro puck podcast youtube channel the euro puck podcast giving you guys european hockey welcome to new york The Devils State of Mind Podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil (laughs) Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind Podcast. Here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. We all greatly, greatly appreciate it. We have a ton to discuss a, you know a great devils legend officially you know decided to retire the devils were able to make another signing to help out their defense they also added the final two coaches to complete the coaching staff for the upcoming 2021 season and also we have an update for the 2021 world junior championship so obviously a lot to get to so without further ado let's drop the puck So we'll kick things off, obviously, with talking about the news that happened basically a week ago, if you're listening to this, on Monday, that legendary NBC and former New Jersey Devil broadcaster Mike Doc Emmerich announced his retirement. He broadcasted well over 3,750 games for the National Hockey League as well as the Olympic Games. He finished his career with 47 seasons calling pro hockey. Broadcasting 45 Game 7s, 22 Stanley Cup Finals, 14 NHL All-Star Games, and 6 Olympics. But most people will know that he's very well known for the incredible vocabulary that this man had. You know, skidded, skeeted, you know, many different words like that. And I'm sure a lot of you out there have your favorite phrases. One of the things that I've always enjoyed about Doc was the amount of hockey that he knew from other countries you know he could be covering you know he could be broadcasting an NBC Wednesday night rivalry game between the Rangers and the Capitals and all of a sudden midway through the first period he could he could say something like oh if you live in the UK right now you're probably celebrating what happened earlier this evening or afternoon if you're in the on the East coast of the United States where Great Britain's national team had a big victory against Austria. Like it would be something that crazy. And you couldn't just, all you could do is just sit there and laugh and just really enjoy, you know, that he, you know, knew that and that brought it to our attention. And all the time, Eddie Olchek, you could hear him laughing because he even was like, how, how the hell could you know, you know, that was going on? Like, I mean, Doc Emmerich is the man of research. This man knows anything and everything there is to know about hockey, not just in the United States, not just in Canada, but basically all over the world. This man is one of the smartest hockey minds that we have. And arguably you could say one of the greatest, if not the greatest broadcaster in hockey history. Now, obviously his first big opportunity to to broadcast games in the National Hockey League came with the New Jersey Devils. He came to the New Jersey Devils when they first came to New Jersey from Colorado in 1982, worked from 82 to 1986, and then left to do a couple of years working for the hated Philadelphia Flyers, but we won't talk about that. And then eventually, Doc came back to the Devils in 1993 and replaced another legendary hockey broadcaster in Gary Thorne. And from 1993 to 2011, Doc Emmerich was the play-by-play TV host of the New Jersey Devils, and I've constantly brought this up before that for him to come back to the Devils after having a good amount of experience with the Devils originally, and then obviously with the Flyers and doing games on the national stage as well, you could, you could clearly tell that he got way, way better. He became, you know, incredibly understanding of the game and to, to replace basically another legend in hockey broadcasting in Gary Thorne, who definitely is number two on my list hands down, and not only do the job well, but do it even better is is absolutely incredible. And I think one of the things that you have to look at with Doc Emmerich is that he left the game better than what it was when he first came in. I mean, he left the game and made an indelible mark on the New Jersey Devils, on the game of hockey itself. And talking about it from the Devils standpoint, he really helped Put the Devils on the map, not just with what you know. Obviously, Lou Lemorel and everybody was able to do winning cups in '95, 2000, and 2003. But Doc Emmerich being that you know very well-known voice that everybody heard, not just with the Devils but also on the national stage as well, it really just helped kind of give that respect that New Jersey and the Devils were looking to try to get throughout the hockey world. And Doc Emmerich played obviously a massive, massive part of that, and. There were a couple moments, and I'm going to share them with you here, uh, some of my favorite moments that Doc Emmerich had when he was working with the New Jersey Devils. The first one comes from January 9th of 2010 when Zach Parise scored a game-winning goal in overtime versus the Montreal Canadiens. And what was so great about that and makes you laugh is that when Doc Emmerich does his score call, his voice actually cracked while he was saying score, and you could hear Glenn Chico Resch, who at the time was his color commentator, his partner on the broadcast, was laughing with excitement because not only was he excited that the Devils have won, but he was laughing because of the fact that Doc Emrick's voice had cracked. So I've always said that that was one of uh, one of the great or maybe not so great moments of Doc Emmerich's career, but still an indelible one nonetheless. And I'm sure a lot of you Devils fans know what one I'm talking about. But if you haven't, Go, just go type in Zach Parise, overtime goal versus Montreal, and you'll hear it. And you, you won't, you won't be able to help yourself, but just laugh. Uh, The next one comes on March 17th, 2009, St. Patrick's Day, when Martin Brodeur got win number 552 to pass Patrick Waugh on the NHL's all-time list for most career wins. A fun fact that I think not every Devils fan and not every hockey fan knows also is that Patrick Elias also broke the record for most career points by a New Jersey Devil in franchise history in that same game as the Devils beat the Chicago Blackhawks 3-2. to And a fun story that involves me that I would like to share with you guys is that myself, my my dad, my brother, and my cousin all went to that game. So we had, that tic- we had those tickets well in advance, not knowing that that was going to be you know, the big one, the the big game of that season. But we had tickets in two positions. One of them was down on the ice level behind where the devil shot twice. And the other was way up in the nosebleeds and actually the crazies, the 233s, uh, we were actually there as well. And the way it went was basically this. My dad and my cousin sat down on the ice level for the first period. Then my brother went down to sit with my cousin during the second period while my dad came up and sat with me. And then in the third period, I went down and sat with my cousin for the final 20 minutes, and I was able to on the ice level witness Marty Brodeur getting win number 552. And I think you know Doc Emmerich making that call, and Marty Brodeur is the winningest go- goalie in the NHL. You know that's a that's an historic call to make. It's it's an historic moment because it's not always about you know did Doc Emmerich make a call that everybody remembers. It's it's sometimes about just the moment that he was there. That when you think about those great moments and those you know unforgettable moments. Doc Emmerich was the broadcaster. He was there for that. And he helped paint a really good picture. He really did. And I think if you were to ask Doc Emmerich, that's one of his top five, certainly top 10 moments of his broadcasting career. Another moment obviously comes from June 24th, 1995, game four of the 1995 Stanley Cup Finals between the Devils and the Detroit Red Wings. Remember, the Red Wings were heavily favored to go and win that Stanley cup. And a lot of people thought that the devils were going to get swept and it went the complete opposite way as the Devils swept past and kicked the crap out of the Detroit red wings. And I know the brothers of discussion, you know, wouldn't want to talk about that. Sorry. Sorry, boys. But nonetheless, the devils went on to win that game, win the Stanley cup. And as the seconds were ticking down and we got to zero, you heard doc Emmerich make the famous call the championship to New Jersey. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. That was a that was a big one. And Doc Emmerich really didn't have that many opportunities to call a lot of Devils games in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Really, it wasn't until 2012 when we got to the Cup Final that he really was covering every single game. Uh, '95 he got to do it. 2000 not so much, and certainly not 2003 either, whether it was on TV or radio. But he was still broadcasting games for the Devils while they were making the run in the playoffs and everything in between like that. So. He at least was part of the journey, but 1995 was a really special moment because it was an opportunity for Doc Emmerich to call the Devils winning a Stanley Cup, you know, his team. And I think that that was really great. And the last moment that I'll share with you guys, and this is obviously way more recent, and I think you all probably know where I'm going with this, but let's go back to 2012 Eastern Conference Finals, game six between the Devils and the hated New York Rangers and going into overtime. The Devils had had a multiple-goal lead before the Rangers came back and tied it. And we all knew that if the Devils won, they're going to Stanley Cup Finals. They lose, they have to play Game 7 in the garden. But Adam Henrique, who was a rookie at that time, who had played really well in the postseason, including getting a Game 7 overtime series-clinching goal in the first round against the Florida Panthers, stepped up again, and in a scramble in front of the crease, the puck came right to him while he was behind Henrik Lundqvist, shot the puck in the net, scored, and the Devils went on to the Stanley Cup Finals. But obviously, everybody remembers the call. Henrik, it's over. That was, you know, I think one of the most, you know, incredible, you know, unforgettable calls, not just in Devils history, but in recent hockey history. When you think about the calls that Doc Emmerich has made in his career. So those are some of the great moments that Doc Emmerich had while he was covering the New Jersey Devils. Now, the last thing that I wanted to discuss with you guys here is that I put out a tweet earlier this week and I said, Devils fans, to celebrate Doc Emmerich's retirement, what is your favorite Devils memory of his? Let me know in the comments and you could be featured in a future podcast episode. Well, that podcast episode is this one. And so I'm going to read to you some of the moments that some of you fans, you know, tweeted at me and I would like to share them. So the first one comes from one of the biggest supporters and one of the biggest fans of the Devil's State of Mind podcast in Jersey, Joe. And he says, my all-time favorite call was from my all-time Lithuanian Dinus Zubris scoring against Pittsburgh. I'm a Lithuanian paternal great-grandparents. I met Dinus in person. Well, that's a great, great memory. And the goal And the memory that Jersey Joe was talking about comes from March 17th, 2010, while the Devils were wearing their retro jerseys at that time. So wearing, obviously, the red, green, and white uniforms. So that's a very cool memory, Joe. I like that. You know, Dinosaurus, I thought, was always a very likable player while he was in New Jersey. And, you know, Doc Emmerich really liked calling guys like that, you you know, coming from a completely not so random, but maybe an unlikely place like Lithuania to do well. Here comes another one from, again, another one of the big fans of this podcast in Kevin, at Kevin Positives on Twitter. He says the 2012 Eastern Conference Finals versus the Rangers. Yep. That's, you know, you know, with most Devils fans, we're going to say, at least for the younger generation, that that's one of our biggest moments. And hopefully in the not so distant future, we're going to have a lot more great moments to talk about, you know, with the Devils, you know, hopefully at some point being able to go win a Stanley Cup. The next one comes from Zoso Rising at Zo So Rising JPLZ. And if I said that incorrectly, I apologize, my friend. But he says, and this is a story that actually made me laugh. New Jersey Devils fan club trip to Toronto day after game one of the guys was sleeping on the floor in the hotel, in the hotel lobby with us. Doc came down, chatted with us and asked about the guys sleeping on the floor told him that he had some beers with Peter Mahavelich, one of the, you know, a Hall of Famer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Doc goes, in big, bold letters, he tried to keep up with Mahovlich, <laughs> And I thought that was a very, very funny, very, very funny um, story. But uh, thank you guys so much for uh, messaging me and, you know, telling me these stories. I do greatly appreciate it. And there's some great ones. And that's that's what makes it great because we obviously all know about the public, you know, person That you know, Doc Emmerich is, and we see him on TV all the time. One of the things that I've seen over the last couple of days is the amount of people that worked with Doc Emmerich that said that not only did they love him as a broadcaster, but they really loved him as a person, and that he was just a great individual. I remember the Islanders play by play broadcaster, Brendan Burke, uh, he tweeted out a, a memory that he had where he made his first big call in the playoffs with the Islanders, and Doc Emmerich actually sent him an email saying, Great job, can't wait to, to meet up with you at the studio. And I thought that was great. And a lot of former NHL players and a lot of players playing in the league right now um, actually, you know, tweeted about their favorite memories. One that really got to me was Blake Coleman, former New Jersey Devil and now Stanley Cup champion with the Tampa Lightnings. He has the honor of scoring the last goal that Doc Emmerich ever made in his time as a broadcaster. So that's a little fun fact and a little tricky question that you guys can use in the future. But Blake Coleman has that, has that honor. And that's really a great one. So congratulations, first of all, to Doc Emmerich, um, you know, being a guy that became such a fan of hockey when I was younger and also wanting to become a sports broadcaster and broadcast hockey, which I get to do with the Jersey Shore Whalers of the USPHL that you can check me out on hockeytv.com. Um, You know, I wanted to be like Doc. I wanted to, You know, understand the game as well as he did, have the vocabulary like he did, and have the energy and enthusiasm that he had. And he was a big reason that I got into the New Jersey Devils. He really got me excited to watch games. He really got me excited to watch hockey in general. So, when obviously he stopped covering the Devils, that was sad, but at least I got to hear him on the national stage. And then, obviously, when I heard this news on Monday, I was definitely sad because that's, you know, a big part of my childhood that now. Has you know that book is officially closed, but uh, I wish nothing but the best for Doc Emmerich, his wife, his dogs, his horses, and I really hope he has a great retirement. If there are other Hall of Fames that are for broadcasters, this man needs to put it be put in every single one of them because he was just a great broadcaster, but he was just a better man. So, congratulations to Mike Doc Emmerich, who has retired from broadcasting hockey after 47 seasons nearly half a century that this man was a big voice in hockey. So we move on to our second topic here of this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast, and we will talk about a signing that actually happened this past Thursday, and it's another defenseman signing. As the Devils announced, they had signed defenseman Dmitry Kulikov on a one-year deal worth $1.15 million back on Thursday, October 27. He played for the Winnipeg Jets last year, and. Unfortunately, Devils fans, I have to bring up somewhat of a painful memory as he actually scored the first goal in the home opener that the Devils had this past year when we had a nice 4 nothing lead late in the second period. He scored the goal with just a few seconds left to go in the period to cut the deficit to 4-1. to And as we know, and unfortunately, the Devils ended up blowing that lead and losing in a shootout. But You know, he already has a little bit of history with the Devils. But nonetheless, the Devils wanted to bring him in. And I see this guy right away as somebody that can be on our bottom four, a nice depth defenseman. And again, he's on a one-year deal. So he's really here to try to help us compete for this year. And you know what? If he does well, maybe the Devils give him a longer contract after this year. When asked about, you know, Dmitry Kulikov, Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager, had this to say. Kulikov is an experienced physical left-shot defenseman who skates well. His ability to play both the right and left side brings value to our defensive core. So clearly, this is not obviously one of those big signings that we said, like, oh, wow, like, we really, you know, we really stole this guy from somebody. But from what a lot of people on social media, a lot of Devils fans, and even some Winnipeg Jets fans as well, said that, you know, the Devils got another really solid player that's going to help them, you know, develop a culture in the locker room help them to try to win a couple more games this season and really just make them a more competitive team overall. So another smart signing. I know a lot of Jets fans were obviously sad to see him go because what, you know, again, that weakens the Winnipeg Jets defensive core even more and that will make it even more critical for them to move on from someone like Patrick Laine and try to get, you know, some guys that can help them out right away. I don't know who that is. I think it'll probably end up being the Philadelphia Flyers, but You know, Again, nothing is concrete and it just doesn't seem like that anybody feels comfortable giving up that price. But obviously losing Dmitry Kulikov, it was just one of those things where the Jets just didn't have the money to keep him, which you sit there and you say, yeah, but he's only making a little over a million dollars this year. Well, the Jets still didn't really have a good enough money to keep him around. And maybe Kulikov wanted uh, more money or a longer term deal and the Jets weren't willing to do that. This past year for the Jets, Dmitry Kulikov played in 51 games, scoring two goals, with one of them being the goal that I had mentioned, and eight assists. And he also got two assists in the postseason as well in the little time that the Jets were in the bubble. So obviously this is not an elite defenseman, a guy that's going to get a lot of you know, points on the score sheet. But what he'll do is he'll play defense very solidly. He's very good at blocking shots. He's re- He has a lot, a lot of you know gas in the tank if you want, as I like to say, you know, he averaged about 20 minutes per game on the ice. So this guy has a lot of durability. So he could clearly be there on the penalty kill, getting in those situations where we need to block shots and really being a good depth defenseman. You know, even though obviously we're going to probably have one or two young rookie defensemen, having a veteran presence like Dmitry Kulikov is going to help very well. And again, it's not a, you know, high-risk, high-reward type of thing. It's just one of those moves that just helps us, you know, add another defensive player to our team that's going to try to help us, you know, improve the defense overall. So like I mentioned before, I think this is a solid piece for the bottom four, and I'm very interested to see how he does once he gets to New Jersey. And I remember yesterday, which is actually this past Friday, the the Friday before, Amanda Stein spoke with Dmitry Kulikov, and Kulikov said that he actually was very excited to join the New Jersey Devils One of the reasons is because he has a very close friend that lives in New Jersey, and he's already looking at places to try to live, and he's also just excited to play with a young team that is on the up and up, that has some really good franchise players that can take them to the next level, and that's really good. So I I really like this. Now, to kind of wrap this up, I will say this. I'm sure a lot of people are asking, Neil, when are the Devils going to finally give contracts to Mackenzie Blackwood and Jesper Bratt and, you know, the RFAs? Here's the thing, and I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. Tom Fitzgerald is going to focus on improving the team right now and get the pieces that he wants, and then he'll focus on that because they still have a huge amount of money, an absurd amount of money. And Fitzgerald is also playing the waiting game to see if there's an opportunity to get a big-time player. We're hearing rumors that Fitzgerald is, is not done it's, it's still not done, and he's still trying to make some moves to really help this team. But he knows in the back of his mind that he has to still work on deals for Blackwood and Brat. They, they you know got the qualifying offer. I don't know if they accepted it or not. Uh, it doesn't seem like it from what I'm hearing. But again, I will tell you that honestly, a deal will get done. And remember, Miles Wood was in this situation two years ago, and he didn't sign a contract until midway through training camp. So it might not be now. It might not be within the next couple of weeks. It might be until maybe December before those guys actually make a contract. I think Fitzgerald told Blackwood and Brad that they were going to get a contract. They just had to be patient. And, and he explained to them what he's trying to do with building the roster for this year and also for the long term. And he said to them, just wait. And I promise you, you're going to get a contract. I just want to do a couple other things first. And I'm sure they, they understand that completely because let's face it, at the end of the day, they're all just trying to go out there and win, and they want to be as good of a team as they possibly can. And getting some good players, like they got with Kulikov, like with Corey Crawford, like with Ryan Murray, like with Andreas Janssen. but they're able, they've been able to get some players that are going to help them now and help them also in the future. I keep saying this; I know it sounds like a broken record, but it's very, very true. So, getting Dmitry Kulikov at the end of the day is a very solid signing. It's a not, you know, it's not a huge risk at all. And I'm sure he'll be a very solid player for us. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do to help contribute to the Devils' success this upcoming season. So now we shift to part three of this edition of the Devils' State of Mind podcast. And we're going to be talking about something that came up this past Friday. And by now, you should already know. But if you haven't, I will tell you here. The New Jersey Devils announced that they had hired the final two coaches for Lindy Ruff's coaching staff for this year. They first hired Chris Taylor as an assistant coach who has experience working with Lindy Ruff and they also hired Dave Rogalski as the goaltending coach and he has history with Martin Brodeur. So there was a lot of the relationships that came into play when it came to hiring these two guys. So let's go over talking about both these guys. We'll start with Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor led the AHL's Rochester Americans, who is the AHL affiliate of the Buffalo Sabres, to a 116-65-33 and record over three seasons as head coach. So clearly a lot of success working in the AHL. Taylor played under Lindy Ruff in Buffalo. Now he joins the Devils as Ruff's assistant coach. So this guy used to play under Lindy Ruff. So he clearly has an understanding of what Ruff wants to do on the ice. So again, again, I'm sure when Lindy Ruff got hired, he probably talked to Fitzgerald about, look, I'm going to hire guys that I have good relationships with, that I know understand the game the way I do and want to do it the way that I want to do it, and that we all work you know, cohesively and have success together. Another thing here comes from Devil's Army blog, at Devil's Army blog on Twitter. He wrote this, and I, and I thought this was interesting. The Chris Taylor hiring is a good one. He had, and I mentioned this record before, a 116-65-33 and 33 record across part of the last three seasons with the Sabres AHL affiliate. He was on pace for making the plans for a third consecutive season before getting fired randomly, Buffalo being Buffalo, I guess. So he got fired in the middle of the season. Don't really know why. They were playing really well, but, you know, that's how it goes. So Chris Taylor obviously hasn't been coaching, you know, since this past year when he got fired, but now he's going to be an assistant coach under Lindy Ruff. Not really sure exactly what his job is going to be. Maybe he's going to work more on the defense and maybe the penalty kill. It all, you know, it just, we'll have to wait and see basically. But again, this is another hire where Lindy Ruff felt comfortable with this guy. He liked working with him. He liked coaching him basically. And as a result, he decided to bring him in. So that's very interesting. And this tweet comes from Corey Masazak, you know, at C-M-A-S-I-S-A-K-22, he says, a few things to note about new New Jersey Devils assistant coach, Chris Taylor. Played for Lindy Ruff in Buffalo. Coach Casey Fitzgerald, Tom Fitzgerald's son, so there's another relationship right there, has more coaching experience than previous New Jersey Devils third assistants did in either Ryan Clough or Mike Greer. Ruff's son worked for the Sabres with Taylor. So again, when you really think about this, I would say this is mostly a you know relationship thing, like they have an understanding of each other, they know each other very well, but also the fact that Chris Taylor has a lot of experience, a lot more than some of the other assistant coaches we've had. And this brings another veteran presence here that can help, you know, build a really good structure, a really good foundation for this team. So I think this is a very solid hire. Don't really know exactly what he's going to be involved in from the coaching standpoint, but nonetheless. As with everyone else, excited to see what he can do to help contribute to this team moving forward. Now let's talk about the goalie coach, which was obviously a big topic of discussion. The question was, who were the Devils going to go after? We had we did hear that probably in the future there was going to be a goaltending development, you know, side of the NA, of the Devils organization led by you know, uh, Clemenson and Martin Berdner. So. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some exciting things when it comes to the goaltending position and developing it in the Devils organization in the future. But the Devils decided to hire goaltending coach Dave Rogalski, who joins the Devils coaching staff from St. Louis, where he was the, the goalie development coach. Clearly a tie here to Martin Breder and his time in St. Louis, Marty was naturally a big part of the goaltending coach search. So this is something, again, that is more of a relationship thing, that Martin Bardero, while he was working with the St. Louis Blues after he retired, he developed a good relationship and friendship with with Dave Rogalski, and he really liked what he was able to do. And one of the biggest things that's going to get Devils fans excited is this, and Jersey Joe actually, in the article he wrote, he shared this, so I want to read it. Rogalski is credited with influencing Jordan Bennington's success late in the 2018-19 season, and his subsequent run to the Stanley Cup championship with the St. Louis Blues. So obviously now we know that Rogalski has some credit for developing Jordan Bennington into the Stanley Cup goaltender that he has become and the very good goaltender that he's become. So if Rogalski can come into New Jersey and help Mackenzie Blackwood and all the other young goaltenders take that next step to becoming even better, that's just great. So I think this is a really, really solid hire when you look at it, both of these hires are great. I really like both of them. I think they're going to be solid moving forward. And it's all just going to be about how they're able to coach these guys and if they're able to really you know, help these guys take that next step to getting ultra-competitive, because that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. But welcome to the New Jersey Devils, Chris Taylor and Dave Rogalski. So before we go to the final part, part four of this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, I just wanted to say something from the last segment that – the official coaching staff of the New Jersey Devils going forward into the 2021 season and beyond head coach is Lindy Ruff, Elaine Nazardine, Mark Recky, and Chris Taylor are assistant coaches, and Dave Rogalski is the goaltending coach. So, other than Elaine Nazardine, it's basically a completely new coaching staff. So, that's something to keep in mind and watch as we move forward. But now we officially shift to part four, the final part. Of This week's podcast and we're going to be talking about the IIHF announced this past Monday evening the 19th of October that the upcoming 2021 World Junior Championships will kick off on Christmas Day 2020 for the first time since 2005 so hockey fans got the best Christmas present you could possibly get and it's great too because again the NHL looks like, you know, we still have the tentative date of, you know, January 1st being the official start date for the season. So at least for a couple of days, we're going to get some, you know, relatively professional hockey. We're going to see some players that are playing in the NHL that are going to be playing in those World Junior Championships. Maybe somebody like a Jack Hughes. We'll wait and see. That's a really good debate, uh, you know, coming up when we get closer to it. Now, here's some of the, you know, details of how this World Junior Championship is going to go. First of all, the entire World Junior Championships is going to be played in Edmonton, you know, at Rogers Place. So, basically, they're going to be using a bubble like the NHL did. They're not going to be going any, anywhere else. So, the and the date and the dates for the tournament are going to be between December 25th, 2020 and January 5th, 2021. And a couple of the guys that potentially could be playing in the World Junior Championships representing the New Jersey Devils are the following. Jack Hughes, possibly if the Devils want him to go and maybe get an early start to playing in some game before the season starts. Ty Smith and Kevin Ball, same type of thing. Nico Dawes, Shakir mohamed Dawson Mercer, Yaramir Pitlick. Arseny Gritzik, and there's a bunch more that I probably didn't mention, but those are some of the main guys that I wanted to share. And I've already been seeing that some of these guys that I mentioned are almost locks to be on the World Junior Junior teams when this tournament starts. So that's very, very exciting. So I think this year, more than anything, more than any other year, is going to be an exciting year for Devils fans to watch, you know, the prospects of this team play on an international stage against some of the other great young up-and-coming players in the game of hockey right now. So this is an exciting time because if you're not able to to watch a lot of the prospects because of TV rights or they're playing in a different country, whatever the case may be, this is an opportunity for all of us to go watch these guys play on a national stage and really showcase what they can do. Now again, I did mention someone like Jack Hughes. The Devils may be hesitant to send him there because they, they don't want him to get hurt Right before the start of the season, and then we're in big trouble. So, I think more likely he won't be going to play in the World Junior Championships. But again, it might be that they let him play a couple games before the start of the season, then they bring him right back and he's ready to go. I don't know. I think because of the fact that it's way too close to the tentative date. And remember, it's not official that we're going to be starting on January 1st. So, we still really don't know when the season is going to start. But nonetheless, you know, because the, you know, know, December 25th is way too close to January 1st, the the Devils just might be, you know, very, very uncomfortable with sending him there. So he might not be going there, but maybe a guy like Ty Smith, again, it depends on if he ends up making the team, which I think he will. In that case, I think they might be hesitant with him as well. Same thing possibly with Kevin Ball and, you know, so guys like that. But talking about some other guys like Nico Dawes, Mahama Mercer, Hitlick, Gritziuk, you know, guys like that, you know, they might more likely be playing in those because they, you know, obviously they're, there are a lot of them are already in the middle of their season. You know, some of them are, they're not going to be expected to make the team, you know, the New Jersey Devils right away. So they might, you know, be given more of the opportunity to go play on the international stage and try to see if they can, you know, up their development and try to really catch some eyes with the organization. So that's really good. But this is a very exciting thing. I'm really pumped up to see this. Um, You know, I don't usually watch the World Junior Championships, but this year in particular, I'm really stoked. I'm really excited to see what some of these players, because there's a guarantee that some, you know, New Jersey Devils prospects are going to be playing in this. It's going to be really exciting to see what these guys can do once they get on the international stage. So mark your calendars, hockey fans, December 25th will be the official start of the 2020-2021 World Junior Championships. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Piano. Thank you so much for checking out this week's edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. If you want to continue to listen to these episodes, here's what you do. You go on your computer and you type in Hockey Podcast Network, and you can check out the website, Hockey Podcast Network, Dot org, where you can see all the logos for all the podcasts that we do. You'll see the Devils logo, and you can click on that. You can also just check out all the other hockey podcasts that we have on this great network, where we cover every single team in the NHL, and we have a bunch of other hockey podcasts along with those. So make sure you go check all of those out. We post new episodes every single Monday, and we also post them wherever you listen to podcasts. So whether that's Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes. Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search hockey podcast network or devil state of mind and you will find it. If You want to ch- follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at devil state on Instagram at devil state of mind, and also on Facebook at devil state of mind on all of those. I will post when the new episodes are up as well as just interactions with you guys, the fans, as we talk about our team, the New Jersey devils and also in the bio of all of those social medias, We have a link to the Devil's State of Mind website where there, you can just check out all the episodes and go directly to where we have them. You can bookmark it so you can just keep it and make it very easy for you. So please go check those out as well. Again, new episodes of the podcast every single Monday. If you want to listen to me just talk about more things that are going on in sports, not just in hockey, you can follow me. On the Mofobo Network podcast, which is available on Anchor and Spotify, where every week we post new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays talking about the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. I also have a YouTube channel called Mofobo Network Presents. New videos come out every single Wednesday, where just like on the podcast, we get a topic that we discuss that's going on right now in the wide world of sports. So go check me out on all those. Again, it's spelled M-O. F O B O network podcast on anchor and Spotify and M O F O B O network presents on YouTube where there you could just continue to listen to me talk about things that are going on in this great world. That is the world of sports. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at T H E N V P S H O W and my personal Instagram at N V P Q B 11. And last but certainly not least, Go check out my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now called J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, just go check that book out. It, It chronicles all the painful memories, painful games, painful player decisions, and everything else that evolves around the New York football Jets. So please go check it out. It's available for hardcover and ebook. For the price of 1969. And if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So, thank you guys once again for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Piano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone, continue to be the awesome, amazing people that you are out there. Make sure that you're always helping out others. And one last thing rock on. Woo!